right. Well, we, there's a couple other things that we want to share about life together before I dive into what we're talking about today. This last week, you guys, we, had, we got to share life together with a bunch of kids. It was sports camp week this last week. I mean, Kaylee and, and T- Terry and their whole group did such an unbelievable job in getting this place ready. There were so many volunteers. It was so fun to walk out there and see so many high school students. So a lot of our high school students were helping to make that happen. And then I see Frank Lee that's teaching the basketball and everything. And I'm just going, man, it is so fun to just to, to see it all come together. And these kids that got, to, that got to learn about who Jesus is and at the same time have a blast doing it. So such a great time with sports camp this last weekend, this, this last week. Also last weekend on Sunday night, we did a social event. We did, um, we did, we went and watched Top Gun Maverick together. Like a, a hundred of us went into the Cinnabar and watch Top Gun again. That's just one of the, we had two theaters that we were all in to watch it. And it was a blast together. And and it was just sharing life together. Now, you guys, the reason why we shared that, that I shared that is I came home from that experience and I told Jackie, I said, you know what it reminded me of? The first three or four years of Ascent where we were doing all kinds of social events just to try to start to share life together with people that didn't know each other very well. And I told Jackie, I said, man, I sure would love for us together to start seeing that happen more often again, of people that are just saying, I'm gonna help, I wanna, I wanna make something happen and just make it happen. And I wanna tell you right now, if you wanna make it happen, if you wanna take a group of people to a Rockies game, we'll pay for your ticket. We won't pay for your group's ticket, but we'll pay for your ticket. Get a group of people and go to a Rockies game. If you wanna do an abs watch party, then go do an abs watch party together and we'll try to help make that happen. But we know that sharing life together is gonna come from all of us coming together and doing those kinds of things. So step up and ask us how to do it and we'll help to make it happen, okay? All right, so let's get into what we're talking about today. Where uh, it's, I absolutely believe that we're better together than we are alone. I believe that our marriages are better together than they are alone. And I'm not talking about, so it's better to be married than be single. I'm, I'm saying our marriage together is better if we have other people walking with us in it. If we have other people that are laughing with us and, and, and having fun with us, but at the same time asking the hard questions together. I believe our marriages are better if somebody else is saying, what's going on in your marriage? And how are you doing in your marriage? And what can, what can you do next in your marriage that you can learn and grow and explore and, and figure out? Because marriage is not easy. And so I believe we're better together than we are alone in that. We're better together with, 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 in, as parents. Come on, parenting is not easy. And we are better when somebody else walks alongside us and says, I'm with you in this, even through the really hard stuff of raising children. We're better together than we are alone. I think we're better together in in our play. I think we're better together in our work. But for some reason, we choose to continue to do this alone. We choose to continue to say, I just don't know if, I've, if I have the time or I don't know if I, if I have the, 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 the resources and the people around me to share this life together. But I think God is calling us to do this together. Harvard did a study where they said that 40% of Americans, this is pre-pandemic, 40% of Americans say that they're lonely. And that was pre-pandemic. You can imagine what that number is like now 
after all of the pandemic and through all of the pandemic, how many people feel isolated and alone. We try to do it alone, but God is saying, let's do this together. And so you guys, I want to I wanna spend some time this morning and, and over the next couple of weeks, continue to talk more about what this life together looks like and why we would follow what Jesus is calling us to do to step into that. So let's pray together and we'll dig right into this. Father, we pray that you would help us to, 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 to work and surrender life to you to say, God, what can we do that's better for us? God, help us to step into what is better. And even if we ask, it presses against some of the, some of the defensive uh, the defense mechanisms that we have, I pray that you would lower those down and help us to draw closer to you and draw closer to each other as a result. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys, this, this topic is, not, isn't, is one that, I mean, I am, I am not always one that gathers people together. I know you guys feel like I'm an extrovert up here in front, but really I have a lot of introverted parts to me that, that can, can sometimes shy away. <laughs> And we went, when, when my son played Mustang football, I was always the parent that stood at the five-yard line just watching my son play while all the rest of the parents talked about their week and, at the 50-yard line. And one of the people said, said to me afterwards, a friend of mine said to me, Bill, you'd be a good pastor if you liked people. And I thought, oh, gosh, is that the way I, I portray myself when I'm at a Mustang football game? But I, so I know that it's easy for us to pull away from life together but man, I, I personally believe that it's worth it to put in the effort to see that, no, we are better together. I want to take you back to, to Old Testament times, okay? Let's go all the way back into, into a few centuries before Jesus. God's chosen people, man, they shared life together and they loved sharing life together and they lived near each other and they, they knew each other's families, they knew each other's neighbors, they went to the synagogues together, they, were, they, they shared life together. But then what happened is these empires would come in, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, and they would be like someone taking a big old boulder to an anthill. You know how you used to do that when you were a kid and you'd put it on the anthill and everything would scatter? Well, that's what would happen. It was called the diaspora. And, 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 and the Babylonian Empire comes in and they take these people that were God's, God's people and they put them into captivity. They spread them all around, all over the region. A bunch of them were, were in captivity in Babylon. And so now these people are separated from their family, separated from their friends, separated from their neighbors, separated from their church. That was life for decades. Then a guy in King Cyrus comes in and he says, oh, you know what, we'll bring him back home. Some of them stayed, but others came back home. And when they came back home, there was a desperation for community at that point. They, 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 when they got back, man, they are looking back at old ancient texts of the Old Testament and they're saying, man, I, I need, we need to be together. We need to stay together. We need to help each other in this. They were, they were desperate for community. They started singing songs from, from older in the Older Testament. They started singing these songs of ascent, they're called. They're psalms from like 125 to 133 of the psalms, and they're songs of ascent. In fact, that's kind of how we actually got our name, Ascent Community Church. When Jim and I were first getting started talking about ascent, and we were talking about names for it, I said, man, let's name it Mile High Community Church because it's a bunch of Bronco fans. So let's call it Mile High Community Church. I didn't like it, but they said, let's do that. And Jim said, no, that's a corny name. He said, let's call it Aspen Grove Community Church. 
And I said, Aspen Grove? It sounds like a nursing home. And, 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 he, and he says, no, no, Aspen Grove. He even, he even drug out the Grove part, you know, Aspen Grove Community Church. So we're going, no, we're not going to do that either. So we went back and forth. And finally, we said, what about Ascent Community Church? And we looked at the Psalms of Ascent. And we looked at Psalm 133. And look at what this says. This is what these people were singing in desperation for community. They said, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. This was King David writing this as they were on a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. And they're singing these songs together. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It was good and pleasant. Sometimes things are good, but they're not pleasant. You know, cauliflower rice, it's good for you, but it's not pleasant, you know? And I'm in the middle of having to deal with that right now. Some things are pleasant, but they're not good for you. Like, uh, like Tim's Cascade potato chips, you know? Some of you guys just stick with the boulder chips, but Tim's Cascade potato chips from, from Western Washington are the best single thing you can put in your mouth. They're pleasant but they might not be good for you. We're talking about something that is pleasant and good for you, man. When people are living together in unity, man, it's, it's pleasant and it's good. And it says they sing this, the rest of this song. It's like precious oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So it got a little weird in there and here is the perfume going down over his head, but they're just going, this is beautiful. And they're singing this because they were desperate. They needed it because they recognized they didn't have it. When they went those decades without having that community, man, did they need it. Now let's fast forward to New Testament. That's for Jesus. Jesus' life is he lived and then he died and then he rose from the grave and then he, and then he spent some time with his people before he ascended into heaven. That's Acts chapter one. Luke's writing about his ascension. But then in Acts chapter 2, it goes from him ascending into heaven to his Holy Spirit descending on us. And so his spirit descended on the people. And man, were they desperate for community at that point. Jesus was no longer there in bodily form. They, they, they were facing opposition when it came to politics. They were facing opposition with that, with that Roman government. They were face, facing religious opposition and people going after him and wanting to kill him. Man, these guys were desperate for community. And so when Luke writes in Acts chapter 2 about that early church, man, listen to the desperation in the way he writes it. All the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at homes, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw every day. Their numbers grew as God added to those that were being saved. See, that Holy Spirit descended on these guys and they were emotionally, physically, spiritually desperate for that community together. Now I want to fast forward a little bit further. Let's get to 1940s or so, okay? A guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor in, in Germany. He's looking at, the, at Nazi Germany at that time. And he's, he's saying he, he was disgusted by what, how Nazi Germany warped the gospel. 
and it, for their political gain, they took the gospel and turned it into something. It was, it was, they distorted it. And Bonhoeffer saw that and said, man, I cannot stand silent and watch these people manipulate scripture the way they were doing it for their, for their, their purposes as Nazis. And so Bonhoeffer spoke out against it. And when he spoke out against it, they heard about him speaking against it. And so they, they took him, arrested him, and threw him into a concentration camp. Three weeks before that concentration camp was liberated, Bonhoeffer was put to death. But before he died, he wrote some powerful books. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, which is such an important read for most, for most people. And then he wrote this little tiny book called Life Together. So it's, what is it, like 100 pages or so, 122 pages. It's just this little book on life together. And it was written by a man that absolutely understood the desperation for community, the desperation for life together. He understood that because he saw what happened when it was taken away. And every one of us in, our, in the 80s and 90s, we all read this book, and I would still recommend it for anybody. In there, here's what he said. He said, he said, if there's so much blessing and joy, even in a single encounter of brother with brother, how inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. And you picture that, what I, the background I gave you about what he was dealing with at that time. How, how inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. See, he's, he's saying, do you realize the massive privilege it is to share life with each other, to share stories with each other, to meet needs for each other and to chat over coffee and to pray for each other and to challenge each other and to pry into each other's lives and to share a glass of wine on the deck with each other and to go to a Rockies game and hang out and have fun and get a beer or a pop and, and hang, just hang out together. He says, how privileged are we to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians? That fellowship, that word fellowship, you guys, that's not just some old term that you see in a church when you walk by a fellowship hall at a church. It's not just about, it's, that's not one where you just, you look at it and you go, yeah, that's that room where they have the potluck dinners and, and they bring the green jello with the vegetables in it and sat on a bed of lettuce. And it's not that fellowship, it's, that's just the fellowship hall. It's not the, it's not the, the, the potluck that's bunt cakes. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys still eat bunt cakes, but there's a new store that now that sells them, but man, bunt cakes were in and then they were out. And, and, but they're in at every potluck. You see a bunt cake and jello at every one of them. We're not talking about a fellowship fellowship hall like that. We are talking about fellowship. The Greek word for it is a word called koinonia. And you see it throughout the New Testament. Koinonia is sharing life with each other. Koinonia is sharing the very good with each other and the very bad with each other. Koinonia is saying, I'm growing in my faith and I'm doubting at the same time. Koinonia is, 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 is a relationship with someone where when they come over to your house and your house is an absolute mess because you've been at the end of your rope with your kids and it's an embarrassing mess, it's not embarrassing with that one person because they see you at your best and they see you at your worst and we walk through life together in that. That's koinonia and he is saying, man, that, that we are privileged to have that kind of relationships with each other. But listen to what he says here and I love this warning for us. He says, it's true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual, 
which is most of us, it's easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have that gift every day. When we have it every day, we kind of neglect it. We ask, do I even need it? When we have access to it, we say, do I need that? Or wouldn't it be easier just to not engage with somebody else, especially if they're going to dig into the issues of my life? He says, let him thank God on his knees and declare it is grace, nothing but grace, that we're allowed to live in community. So let's fast forward from there to now. You know, there was a day here at Ascent where, man, we, we had so many things going on out there in the cafe and, and people are connecting together and core groups are bursting at the seams and that kind of stuff is happening. The pandemic hits. We all, none of us can see each other at restaurants. None of us can see our family members, all of that. And since then, uh, that muscle has atrophied. And, and, and for some reason, we started going, you know what? I, I think I can do this on my own. Even though I don't think any of us really felt that good about ourselves in the midst of it. We were saying, I think we could do it on our own. And that, that, that muscle just kind of, we never really got that going. And so now people are in a space where, where they're, not, they're not focused in on the things that were once really good for them. I think that's the, that's the space we face today. So I think it's why gymnasiums aren't, aren't to the capacity that they were pre-pandemic. And I think that it's why churches aren't at the capacity they were pre-pandemic. It's because I think we're all, we all kind of found, I don't know, do I really need it? But here's why we need it. If every one of us has shadow spaces in our, in our lives, every one of us has dark spaces in our life. And what, and what koinonia, what life together does is in, invites people into those shadow spaces and it sheds light on those places. In your marriage or with your kids or whatever, it sheds light on those spaces and you, and you go, oh, okay. And we start to learn and grow and that's why we're better together than we are alone because it sheds light on those. But if we choose isolation, then, then that those shadow spaces are, are never discovered. We don't even realize we have them because they're in the shadows. And the emotions that come from those shadow spaces, emotions of shame and jealousy, the narcissism or the selfishness, those are powerful in the dark. They're powerful in the dark. And when we live in isolation, we don't address those. But they're coming out, but we just don't realize it. Community, life together, this is part of what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says, life together, it has a healing property. It helps us to choose not to stay isolated in our own suffering and in the things that own us in the dark. It sheds light on it and invites others into it, to listen to the voices of wisdom around us, to not be afraid to be vulnerable, to not be afraid to open up. There's healing and there's growth when we're sharing life together. See, I, I believe, you guys, I believe that we're desperate for it. I think we're, we're desperate for life together and life in community, but a lot of us just don't know it yet. I think that our marriages are desperate for it. I think our marriages really need and want other couples to walk alongside us. But we just don't know how to go find that. We just... We don't value it enough to step into that, but we live in the shadows in our marriages instead. 
And I remember early on from my, in, in, my, in my marriage, we, we were in a couple's Bible study and, and we'd get together and we'd meet once a week and sometimes it was just superficial stuff and then every once in a while we'd dig in a little bit deeper and there was one week where, where we separated the, the guys on one part and the girls on the other and the guys were just talking and, and, and in the midst of us sharing just life and marriage, one of the guys says, you know, it's been two years since we've been married and, and we're already struggling physically. And another guy says, oh my gosh, I haven't had sex in six months. And another guy starts tearing up. And the next thing you know, we're looking at each other, just going, we need each other. We need that koinonia. We need that life together. We're working in the dark and we need to see it in the light. Jen Hatmaker is a pastor and a, and a phenomenal communicator. And she was sharing about her divorce. She had a very public divorce. And she was sharing it in a podcast. And, and she said this, she said, she said, in the moments before the divorce, it's so easy to lie to yourself about what you think is happening. You tell yourself it's okay. I'm just about to fix this. You tell yourself that we'll be back, that we're close to fixing it. She says this, this self-preservation thing has a terrible return on investment. Isn't that true? That self-preservation, that isolating self-preservation has a terrible return of an, on investment. And then she said this, she said, when we're standing naked in front of those we let in, that's the koinonia, and the pretending is over, it's where real community connection and hope comes in. And man, do we need hope. It's sharing life together. When you look at young families and you look at young moms and you just, and, and, and you know, I'm watching it with my own, with my own daughter-in-law, with their, with their kids and with my grandkids. And I mean, when you look at young moms and the desperation that they have, how much do they need other people to walk with them in it? Those nights that they're sitting there holding their baby going, every other baby this age now sleeps through the night, but mine keeps waking up at two in the morning and then at four in the morning. And what's wrong with me as a parent? What's wrong with my child? And they, and there's those moments where they're saying, I, I don't like being mom. You need somebody else that will walk with you in that. You cannot do that on your own. There's a desperation for community and you might not even know it because we're trying that self-preservation. And I remember about six years ago, Natalie Erickson and, and Kim Kokenauer, they came to us and they said, we don't want to walk this road alone as young parents. And they said, can, and they, they did some research and they found a, a group called Mops International and they say, can we bring Mops here to Ascent? And we said, absolutely do that. And so they brought mops here. And the next thing you know, like a hundred moms all joined together with mops. And then a bunch of other moms that had been moms from a long time ago came in to coach those moms. And then other moms just are, are, are so weird. They love babies so much. They just were the mopettes and they just want to babysit the babies. My, my wife's that way. My mom's that way. It's like, oh my gosh, but they do. They love it. And so mops happened. And these moms were sharing life with each other. When I think of my daughter who's in Spokane right now about to have her first baby, and then I think of my, my daughter-in-law and, and, and Jack who's about to move to Washington to a different place, there's two things I'm praying for, that they would find a great church that they would want to go to, and then the second one is that there would be a MOPS program there because I desperately want them to know that there's other people walking with them. You guys, if any one of you wants to get something like that started here, you're gonna get a massive green light. Moms need help. We cannot do the self-preservation. We need to do life together. 
I believe that there are, in our retirement years, I believe that in those in your retirement years, you, you need to be able to walk together. We're better together than we are alone. To walk through what my grandma walked through where she had to watch her husband dying of Alzheimer's over a 10-year period of time and to do that by herself. And look, I know that generation, your generation, that's, that you, there was a pride in holding it still to just to yourself. But I believe God is calling us to life together. Gordon MacDonald talks about how there are the first, the sames, and the last. We go through first stuff, we go through the same stuff, and then we go through our last stuff. And he says, man, and when you're in your last, your last house, your last car, he says, that sounds depressing to say it that way, but he says, that can be one of the real rich times of your life as you share to those that are in the sames and those that are in the first. And he says, but you need people to help you walk that road. I believe there are people that are desperate for that kind of connection. I believe there are young Christians that are desperate for the connection of somebody that's going to say, teach me how to read this Bible. And would you walk together with them? I think of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters in the middle of Pride Month. This is Pride Month. And you know that that has been a lonely walk for a lot of people, especially in the church. And I believe there are a lot of people in, in, in our, LGBT, our LGBTQ brothers and sisters that are saying, I would love to walk with somebody in this. I'd love to walk with somebody through all of what I'm going through. We're desperate in need of community with each other. You know what new group needed community? A group of people that lost their homes together five months ago. And they were desperate to have other people connect with them and say, are you going through the same stuff I'm going through? Yeah, and we walked that road together. I'm gonna direct you to the screens because I wanna share with you a story of two people that took the risk made the investment, went on, this, went on the walk together, started a friendship, and then a few months ago, absolutely leaned on each other through it. Let's listen to, to Megan and Paula's story. Twenty-five years ago, we, we were building um, our neighborhood, our community. We, we had 11 houses being built on a pile of dirt and um, there, was, there was nothing around. I'm trying to think. You had a red car. Mike did, yeah. Mike had a red car, yeah. And we just remember you guys would come home from work, you'd walk out in a fancy suit, and you'd check your mail, and you'd walk back in and shut the garage door. And You know, as, as we've known each other and our relationship has grown, um, we started walking 20 years ago, approximately. Right. And we walked a couple times a week, but ultimately, religiously, every Sunday, um, we would walk and we'd do a 3.2 mile loop. And we've walked through births of children, losses of parents, mm -hmm. really just all the stages of life. Right, right. When you have somebody to share your conversation with who truly cares, and I know, I mean, you were from the get-go, you were very interested in what I had to say, and um, I think we're both really good listeners, and we would share things maybe that we wouldn't share with anybody else, and I knew that if I would say to you, this is, you know, please don't share this with anybody else, this is just what I'm going through or thinking, you wouldn't. And um, I think that just, our relationship just grew and grew through that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I the first phone call I got and I wasn't really taking anything seriously was from you that said, you know, we, we've been told we need to evacuate. And I said, what? You said, we gotta, <laughs> we've gotta leave. <laughs> we gotta leave. So again, Meg taking care of me. And so then, you know, we left. So I woke the next morning and received a text from you that you would receive confirmation that seven of the houses were gone including yours, and that our house on the other side was still standing, which just seemed somewhat surreal. It, it was just so much more than homes that were lost. Our, our, the community of our cul-de-sac, the, the relationship that you and I created um, with each other, the relationship that we've created with our neighbors is, it, it's, it's strong. And I think seeing something like that be taken away in that moment, just, you know, in the flip of a switch, is, it has been probably one of the biggest challenges. You know, you're feeling sad, you're feeling isolated, you're feeling, you know, you just don't know quite what to do. So what did we do? We gathered everybody. You, know, you, we, you gathered everybody. <laughs> we gathered, we gathered everybody at the Omni and then, um, uh, and a couple of times, and then we gathered everyone again at one of the homes that we were staying in. And what we were seeing uh, is everyone's pain and, you know, their loss. And you, you know, pain is pain. You can't define who whose loss was greater. And I think that's what has happened in our discussion, yours and mine. It's, yeah. It's, it's not better that your house is still standing or worse that mine, you know, or, or worse, whatever. Um, I think we've... It's definitely something we figured out on one of our walks. Yeah. <laughs> is that, you know, it was just I, I, how much we needed each other. Yeah. We have uh, three families on our cul-de-sac that attend the Zen. And the comfort that it brought of being together, we'd save seats for each other, we'd sit together, and the community, you know, of just coming and gathering was, was just that in and of itself as a gift. Right. And because we've walked for 20 years and we're creatures of habit and we don't know what else to do, we would meet up at the Omni early and get a walk in and grab our other neighbor, Kathy, and drag her along. And it, that's, been so important and we've continued to do that and still you know navigate forward how can other people who are seeking that or hurting how would you encourage them to take steps forward to create that in their lives I think number one you have to you have to take a risk um, because and you have to be intentional about wanting that with someone and just letting it evolve and also being willing to put in the work and time and effort that it takes to um, maintain a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. So good. What Paula just said there at the end, the risk that it takes, the time that it takes, the intentionality that it takes, but it's so worth it because we're better together than we are alone. 
Jesus calls it one anothering one another. He's, he's, there's so many times that he said, here's what we gotta do with each other, to, 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 to do this with each other. He says this, and this is 59 times he shares it. He says to serve one another, to accept one another, to strengthen one another, to help one another, to encourage one another and to care for one another, to forgive one another and to submit to one another and to commit to one another, to build trust with one another and to be devoted to one another, to be patient with one another and to be interested in one another and to be accountable to one another and to confess to one another to live in harmony with one another and don't be conceited with one another and don't pass judgment on one another and don't slander one another. Instruct one another and greet one another and admonish one another. To spur one another on and to meet with one another and agree with one another and be concerned with one another and be humbled by one another and be of the same mind with one another. Be compassionate to one another. Don't be consumed by one another. Don't be angry with one another. Don't lie to one another. Live at peace with one another. Do not grumble with one another, sing to one another, comfort one another, be kind to one another, carry one another's burdens. And the greatest new commandment that he said, here's a new one I give to all of you, to love one another. He's pressing us into life together. He's pressing us into koinonia. That can't just happen on a Sunday morning. That has to happen throughout the week. There's a, there's a church that their slogan is, we, the, the Sunday is the push, not the point. And I love that. We're going to steal that from them because I want that we're the push. We want Sunday to be the push, not the point. Because we need to be able to share life together, to jump into a core group and have koinonia there, to jump into a vintage, vintage group, to jump into a men's or women's Bible study, to start a MOPS program, to connect with high school students, whatever it is, we need to share that together. And one last thing I want to share. We got we to get rolling. Um, for 25 years in my life, I've had three different people that have really spoken into it. And look, I've had, a, I've had a phenomenal marriage for 28 years and I've had great friendships and I've had, a, I've had a, a twin brother that has walked through my life and the rest of my brothers and my parents. I have, I have had a staff of people that I call my dear friends because I get to do work and, be, and have great friends while I do it. And so I've had a lot of great things, but I've still needed these three people that spoke deeply into my life and, and, would, and would, would ask me the hardest questions in my marriage. Jim Rabin and Don Bachman and, and, uh, and Janie Donatucci were people that, that did not hold back with me. And they asked me all the questions. Janie and Jim passed away in the last few years and, and Don is still with me. Janie even said um, right before she died, she said, don't ask my husband to be your next mentor. She said, life expectancy for you, Bill, of your mentors is not good. So that was just Janie's great way of being as straightforward as she is with me. There was a day that I was doing, I was preaching uh, at First Pres when I was working there, doing the college ministry there. And I was preaching one Sunday and I said, I was talking about the, the, the richness of God's love and the, our roots growing deep into the richness of God's love. But I told them there was, a, there was a tree in front of our house that had a metal basket around it, that was around its roots and the tree died and I dug it up and the roots couldn't get past the metal basket. And I said, man, we all have metal basket and we have to, be, we have to get that metal basket. We have to eliminate the metal basket so our, so our roots would run deep into the soil of God's love. And I asked the question, do you have people that will help you to do that? Because remember, those are in the shadows. The next day I came to work and Jim Raven had left a little gift for me on my desk. And it was a pair of metal snips with a, with a, note, with a note on it that said, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I wanna be somebody that will constantly cut the metal off of your, off of your roots so that you will discover God's love. And for 20 years, he did that for me. And I'm indebted to it. And my marriage is indebted to it. And my, and, my, and my children are indebted to that because of what he's done. When we, when we lost our house in the fire, he, we, we dug through the stuff and we found him. And his note's not there, but man, this is cherished. And I ask you the question, do you have people? Are you in a core group? Are you sharing life with other people? Are you making this a priority? Are you, do you have somebody that's cutting the metal off of your roots so that they can, they can run deep into the soil of God's love? And then the other question is this, are you holding these for somebody else? Do you have somebody in your life that you're saying, I'm gonna help with the shadow things in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting, and whatever. I'm gonna help you with the shadow things of your life so that your roots would run deep into the soil of God's love. You guys, we're talking about life together. We're talking about a mandate from God to share life together. Don't let the isolation keep you in the shadows. God has ordained this. Our church is dedicated to this. That's why we hired Jonathan. Our church is dedicated to us digging in deeper with each other. Take advantage of it. That is life together. Father, I wanna pray that you would, you would help each one of us in, in this season of life Maybe some of the muscles have been atrophied. And, and, and so I pray that you would help us to, to take the courage, like Paula said, the risk, the risk that Paula and Megan did of, of sharing life with each other and going on walks and letting somebody into the vulnerable parts of our life. I pray that you would help us to do that because we are better together than we are alone. And God, meet us in that loneliness, in that place away. Meet us in those shadows. And God, I pray that people would be there to walk alongside us and that we would be people that would walk alongside them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.